If you are seeking out an amazing fitness community that you can access online anytime while you strengthen and tone, I highly recommend you check out oxofitness.com. That's A-U-X-O fitness.com. Now to our episode. What does true wellness mean to you? I'm Claudia Cometa, and that is the question I will be leading with in the Minding Wellness podcast. Each and every week, I will bring you experts who will share their personal wellness journeys and their insights into what it means to mind our wellness. Health is a state of body. Wellness is a state of being. Let's dive into improving our state of being. This week on the Minding Wellness Podcast, I'm excited to bring you Dr. Debbie Silber. She is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and she is a holistic psychologist, a health mindset and personal development expert, the author of the number one best-selling book, The Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Life Crisis, and the author of her newest book, Trust Again. Her recent PhD study on how we experience betrayal made three groundbreaking discoveries that changes how long it takes to heal. In addition to being on Fox, CBS, The Dr. Oz Show, TEDx, and more, she's an award-winning speaker, coach, and author dedicated to helping people move past their betrayals as well as any other blocks preventing them from the health, work, finances, relationships, confidence, and happiness they want most. I really enjoyed this conversation with Dr. Silber. She is a fantastic speaker, and the content that she provides is concise and valuable and really direct to the point with the insights that matter. I know you'll find great insights here, and we, of course, tie in wellness into this podcast episode and the concept of betrayal. I hope you enjoy. All right. So excited and honored to have Dr. Debbie Silber here with me. And that's S-I-L-B-E-R for anybody who's listening and taking notes. I found her work, loved what I saw, and she reached out to me as well. And as I kind of dove in and as I start to expand my concept of what wellness means, and when we really dive into mind, body, spirit, I I think there's a lot of mind and spirit work here. And it also ties into body. So I think it will be a well-rounded wellness wellness talk. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Silber. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Absolutely. Me as well. So as we start each and every episode, I ask my guests, what does true wellness mean to you? You know, it's, it's such a great question. To me, true wellness really means that you are on point, on purpose in the major areas of life that hold meaning for you. So that would be your your physical life, your mental life, your emotional life, your spiritual life. Mm, On point and on purpose. I love that. That might have to be somewhere in the either show notes or the title. (laughs) All right. So for those who are listening who may not know of your work, I would love for you to give us a background of first how you got interested in the work you do and what the work that you do now entails. Sure. Well, I mean, I've been in health, wellness, mindset, personal development, psychology, spirituality, seriously, since 1991. So since the beginning of time and, and things were, were going well. And as 
I would change, my business would change. So at first, for example, I thought, okay, well, if you eat well and exercise, that's all you need. And then I got so sick. Uh, I was so wrong and realized that, you know, if you have toxic relationships and chaos and unmanaged stress, it doesn't matter how well you're, you're eating or exercising, it's going to take you down. And it did. And then I became a whole health coach and a functional diagnostic nutritionist. And then I had trauma. And it was a family betrayal, horrible family betrayal. And you know how the universe works when you don't quite learn the lesson you were meant to learn, you get more opportunities. So mm -hmm. I did. And this time it was my husband and I was blindsided like anyone else who's experienced this uh, and maybe not what everybody would do but I was desperate to understand how the mind works and why people do these things and how I can heal so I enrolled in a PhD program in transpersonal psychology the psychology of transformation and human potential because I was transforming him on his own he was too uh, got him out of the house and and um I just said, okay, well, let's just, let's just dive into this and, and see what shows up. I mean, I, really healing was just my only intention. It was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? And then that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries which shocked the living life out of me. And it changed, totally changed my business, changed my family, changed my life. There's so much to unpack in all of that. So I will try my best to make sure we get <laughs> all of the nitty gritty and important and significant details. And what I would like to do first, and this might seem super elemental um, and, um, you know, maybe too basic, but can we just start with a definition and some basics on what betrayal actually is? Because as I was thinking about this episode and, you know, okay, I was thinking sort of five steps ahead, but let's just kind of define and start with some clarity for those who maybe are in situations of betrayal, but don't know that don't, or don't accept that or aren't consciously aware of that. So what, what does that look like? What are some of the examples? Absolutely. It's a great question. So I define it as the breaking of a spoken or unspoken rule. And what I really mean by that is, you know, every relationship has rules, even rules with yourself. So self-betrayal is huge. So it's, it's where there is a spoken or unspoken agreement. And this could be with a family member, with a partner, with a friend, with a coworker. For example, Claudia, we had an agreement, right? You were, we were meeting today. And if I didn't show up, that would have been a betrayal. I mean, certainly it, you know, wouldn't have blindsided you and, <laughs> you, you know, the hopeless, but, but it would have affected you nonetheless. The way it works is the closer, the more dependent, the more we trusted that person, the bigger the betrayal. So for example, a child who's completely dependent on that parent and then that parent does something horrible, well, that's going to have a different impact than let's say your coworker taking credit for your idea. Still a shock, still a betrayal, but not to the same magnitude. And, you know, it, it's, they hit us because of the shock of it. It hits us on every single level, physically, mentally, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. So it all has to be completely rebuilt. Mm, and I love the point of self-betrayal because I think we do, I think even for me, the immediate assumption is, okay, somebody did something to me. And then I start to think of instances that that might've happened, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be self-betrayal. I think that's an important point to, to keep 
in mind as we continue. So, all right, let's talk about how healing, and this is, you know, a lot of this is based on the work that you've done. So we talked mm-hmm. about how I, I kind of, I loved the, the nerdiness of, mm-hmm. of your background because I'm, you know, I come from a very uh, um, academic type of background. And so I love that a lot of this is not only your opinion, although I value, of course, your opinion, but also because there is data to back it up. So how Mm -hmm. have you found that healing from betrayal differs from healing from other life events? You know what, this was, this was one of the discoveries, you know, I had been through death of a loved one, I had been through disease, I had peritonitis, and, and I was in the ICU for 11 days, it's a miracle I'm alive. So I know trauma, I understand it. But betrayal felt so different. And I didn't want to assume it was just me. So I actually asked all my study participants. And I said, if you've been through other life crises, besides betrayal, I mean, you know, besides what we're studying here, does it feel different for you? Hands down, unanimously, everyone said, oh my gosh, it's so different. And here's why. You know, originally I was studying something called post-traumatic growth. And that's kind of the upside of trauma, how that trauma leaves you with a new awareness, perspective, insight that you didn't have before that happened. And yes, that's the case that can be the case for betrayal. But what's different about betrayal is because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. You know, if someone, like I lost my mom, I miss her, I mourn the loss, I grieve, life is never the same. But I don't take it personally. It, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not that same thing. But with betrayal, I mean, think about it. We, we are reeling from a sense of rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust. That all has to be rebuilt. So, it, so I felt it needed its own name. So I coined a new term, uh, post-betrayal transformation. And that is the complete and total rebuild after an experience with betrayal. I think that's just so interesting and a, and a point of view that I don't think that I've necessarily spent the time to think through. And I'm sure it was also very interesting for you as somebody who was interested in, in studying it, but, but the intentionality of that, because I mean, you know, I, we've all probably gone through some level of grief. I lost my father and I can completely understand mm-hmm. how, how that feels, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a personal attack or, mm-hmm. you know, um, like some entity was trying to attack me because they took my dad. It doesn't feel right. intentional. Um, and I can see how this would be a different healing process. So I really appreciate the work you're doing and the, and the insights you're giving all of us from the data and, uh, you know, the data collection that you're, you're getting. So I think that this is really an, an interesting field. How, is this um, sort of, I mean, I don't know that I've heard of anybody diving this deep into this concept. Is this kind of a first to your knowledge or like at least studying it in this way? You know, certainly betrayal isn't new. I would love it if it hasn't happened before, but uh, it, that is not new at all. The, the way it works when you're doing a study is you have to find the gap, you have to find the hole, you have to find what hasn't been studied, because if it's been studied, you know, it's of really no interest to anybody. So when you're taking on a study and, and you know, writing a dissertation, it's you're taking a look at everything that's been written on the subject and seeing what hasn't been done. And with my study, it was, yes, there's been there have been studies on betrayal and there have even been studies on post-traumatic growth, huge, huge studies, but there was nothing that specifically dealt with betrayal and with such a deep dive. You know, I did what was called um, a qualitative study instead of a quantitative. So what that means is I had less study participants, but deep, deep 
I mean, two hour interviews with each. And the beauty of that is with the second um, discovery, which are the five stages of betrayal, um, we learned not only that there are these five stages that we will go through, you don't skip the order, you, you know, you, you can stay stuck, but if you fully heal, you'll go through all five of them. But we also know now because of that study, what happens physically, mentally, and emotionally at every stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. What was so exciting about that discovery is that was the moment that now we know healing from betrayal is predictable. Hmm. Super interesting. And since you've mentioned it, let's go ahead and, and just maybe go briefly over the five stages and how those stages may or may not be similar or in contrast to, say, the stages of grieving. Mm-hmm. And it's been compared to that so often. And, and that's why I love differentiating it between the two. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross has, has given such an amazing gift to all of us with her five stages. But this is, this is entirely different. So the first stage is, it's like a setup stage. And I saw this with every single study participant, me included. And if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, what I saw with everyone um, was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental and kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? It looks like we're really good at thinking and doing and not really think, you know, making space for the feeling and being. Well, here's the challenge with that. That's where our intuition lies. And we often turn down our intuition, which really would have served us. But in either case, when you see a table with two legs, easy for that table to topple over, that's what happens. Not to say if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal, but this is what I saw with everybody. Stage two, this is by far the scariest stage. And this is D-Day, Discovery Day. And here's the breakdown, it's the shock, and it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. So here's, here's the day that, that you learned about that betrayal. You know, the, the family member took you out of the will, the, the partner had an affair, the business partner stole all the money, like that day. And what happens is you ignite the stress response. So now here you are headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your adrenals are freaking out right now. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. It doesn't make sense. And your mental model is shattered. Your mental model is, your, is how you view the world. These people are safe. These are the rules. This is how it goes. You know, and in a moment, it's completely shattered and a new mental model hasn't been constructed yet. So it's terrifying. Here's truly where the bottom bottoms out on you. Stage two. Now, if you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, you know, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three, survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical stage. If you can't help me, get out of my way. Who can I trust? How will I survive this experience? But here's what's so interesting. This is the stage that most people get stuck in. And I'm talking about like for a lifetime, because what happens is, once they figured out how to survive their experience, they start believing that's as good as it gets. So they resign themselves to thinking, all right, well, you know, I guess this is it now, and this is the new me. And then what happens is they start getting all of these small self benefits for being there. They get to be right. They get a powerful story. They get someone to blame. They get a target for their anger. They don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? I forget it. I won't trust anybody. And then the longer they stay here, the deeper the roots, the harder it is to leave. And then they start medicating and or using abusing food, 
drugs, alcohol, whatever. So now here's the, here is the place where they get stuck the most and, and for a lifetime. And they don't even realize it's because of a betrayal. Anyway, let's say they realize it. They're willing to do the work. They grieve the betrayal. They mourn it. They do a bunch of other things. They can move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you realize my old normal doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer an option. So if you imagine moving to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, you know, all your stuff isn't there. It's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. You're turning down the stress response here. Your body's not healing yet, but at least you're not causing the massive damage you were in stage two and stage three. And what's so interesting about this stage two is, this stage four, I mean, also stage also, is if you were to move, you wouldn't necessarily take everything with you. You only take the things that represent the version of you that you want to be in this new space. And it was the same thing. Here's where I saw such a huge change in friendships. If your friends weren't there for you, if it was a one-sided friendship, if you, if your friends are just, you know, indulging in low energy gossip, whatever it is, you've outgrown them right here and, and they don't have a place in your stage four, in your new uh, creation, what you're creating here. When you've settled into that new space, you're good there, you're making it your home, you can move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. Your body starts to heal. You didn't have the bandwidth for eating well, exercising, self-love, self-care. You were surviving. Now you do. You want to treat yourself better. Your mind, you're making new rules, setting new boundaries, creating a new, uh, a new setup based on who you've become. And you have a new worldview based on what you've been through. And the four legs of that table, remember in the beginning, it was only physical, mental. Now we're solidly grounded because we're paying attention to the emotional and the spiritual too. Thank you so much for laying that out in such a really great and understandable way. And I, I love that the, the core, the initial stage of not being good at feeling and being, because mm-hmm. I talk so much about this in my, my mastermind called Surrender Gym, that, you know, being is just not something we're taught to do. And it seems so, you know, like we shouldn't have to be taught to be, you know, like mm-hmm. we just are human beings. We should know how to be, but we don't, we do, we, we learn how to do very well. Yeah. And the doing only gets us so far. So I think that being at the core is really very interesting to, to bring up and highlight. And then, you know, as you were talking about that, I was like, man, this almost, this almost sounds to, to me like a, also a process that could have gone, gone through for people for COVID, you know, even just like getting to the survival and then adjusting to a new normal and then having a new view of, okay, you know, I've got a new view now on things. And so, um, so interesting that that could be paralleled, but I do think those stages are, are really great to great insights. So what is, uh, what exactly is post-betrayal syndrome? What is the sort of the definition and how does that show up just in daily life? So I don't know if you also work one-on-one with people in this or if it's, or if it's more of a study situation, but I know that you've seen so many actual real life stories. So kind of mm-hmm. how does that look? Yeah, sure. This was the third discovery and this was, this was so interesting. It turns out that there's a collection of symptoms so common to betrayal, it's known as post-betrayal syndrome. And I saw that in the study and then, and we have a community, the PBT Institute, PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, Institute membership community. So I see it all day long within the community, they come in with that. But here's the thing, we've had over 8,000 people at this point in the last year and a half or so, take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz to see to what extent they're still struggling. And we see physically, mentally, and emotionally, 
for, and I'm talking every age, every, almost every country is represented of people who've taken that, um, taken the quiz. But this is what I found so interesting. Aside from, you know, everything, the physical, mental, emotional symptoms, and I'm happy to go through some of that too. But what's so interesting is we've been taught time heals all wounds. Well, I have the proof that's not the case when it comes to betrayal. There's a, there's a question in the, in the quiz that reads, is there anything else you'd like to share? I read every single one of them. And if I tell you how often people write things like, my betrayal happened 40 years ago, I can still feel the hate. My betrayal happened 30 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. I feel gutted. So we know that it's one thing with other crises. Time may help, but we know and we have the proof and the data and I see it every single day. Unless we face it, feel it, heal it, um, you know, we, we just, we shelve it a little bit. But um, I can even tell you how we know someone hasn't healed. It does not heal unless you actually do the work to heal it. So interesting. And I would love to have your take on, since you know this is a, a wellness podcast and we talk about mind, body, and spirit, I would love for you to just highlight a little bit how betrayal has shown up for people in their physical health and how it also can show up in the healthcare system without it really being realized what, what that is and how it might um, lead us down a wrong path if we don't we don't identify what the actual problem was. Absolutely, and and I see it all the time. People go to the most amazing, well-intentioned uh, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, you know, therapists, healers, coaches, to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease, and at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal. So while they're going for that symptom, what's driving the symptom? is the betrayal and unless they know and that's why we certify our coaches because this way they can do the amazing work that they're doing but if they really want their clients to have that deep transformation if there is that betrayal there they know how to just dive in so much deeper like for example i'll give you some of the symptoms um let's say uh physically extreme fatigue you could sleep all day you know all night long you wake up you're absolutely exhausted which is you know an adrenal issue right there um, we see, you know, um, it's really any adrenal symptom, any stress-related symptom. And this is what I found so interesting too, digestive issues, where uh, about 50% of people who struggle um, with, with betrayal have a digestive issue. And I found this so interesting. Think about what the digestive system does. It absorbs, digests, and processes food. I mean, isn't a betrayal difficult to absorb, digest, and process? You know, is it any wonder? why our gut would be off. So that's just physical. And then, you know, emotional, there's sadness and anger and rage and depression, like all at one time, you know. So if you just combine some of those physical symptoms with some of those emotional symptoms, and then the mental symptoms, you know, brain fog, confusion, shock, overwhelm, inability to focus or concentrate. I mean, try to get through your day. Like I have four kids, six dogs, a thriving business, and, you know, struggling to heal from a betrayal, it's like, it's a monster to deal with. Um, but when we do, we can completely heal. And it's so interesting to me because I think about somebody presenting with the symptoms that you just mentioned. And I think about a, you know, healthcare system that is mostly built around objective data. So we're looking for, okay, well, let me check your thyroid and let me, and all, mm -hmm. no, there's nothing wrong with any of that. I think it's necessary that we do check the functionality of our organs. But, mm -hmm. you know, when there's something, similar to this at the core and 
I mean, physicians aren't taught, you know, unless they're actually studying mental health or, you know, or they're interested in a field like this, they would never, I mean, this wouldn't be something in their, you know, classes and, you know, or in their clinical training. And so, you know, we miss it because it's not an objective data point. It's not going exactly. to show up as, oh, I just checked and you have post-betrayal syndrome uh-huh. on your labs. <laughs> so, um, so it's just really interesting to, to highlight what, you know, could be a, a problem that isn't necessarily identifiable and um, just really, really insightful. Your company is called the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute, and I want to kind of focus on the word transformation and your insights into the difference between, and you talked about this on your TED Talk, which I will link, um, one of your TED Talks, which I will link in the show notes, of course, but what is your sort of concept and theory on the difference between resilience and transformation? Okay, I know exactly the analogy you're you're talking about, and, and I'll share it here. So resilience is bouncing back, restoring, bringing back to. So if we take an analogy of a house. Let's say the house needs a new boiler. You know, you get a boiler. That would be resilience. You're bringing it back. You're restoring, you're repairing. Let's say it needs a new roof and you get that roof. That would be resilience. Here's trauma and transformation. A tornado comes by and levels your house, right? A a new paint job's not going to fix it. A new boiler's not going to fix it. You know, no, no one thing can fix it. And here's the thing. You have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, oh my gosh, this, this is horrible. You know, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And you'd be 100% correct. And if you called all your friends over and you said, look at this, isn't this terrible? They'd all agree. And you don't have to do anything. You have every right to mourn the loss of your house for the remainder of your days, right? That's the equivalent of that stage three. However, should you choose to build your house? Why build the same house? Like there's nothing there. Why not make it beautiful? Why not give it everything the old house didn't have? That's transformation. And when it comes to rebuilding, and this is what I just want to make sure everybody knows, rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It simply wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing and if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. And and that's what I did with my husband. Not long ago, we married each other again as two totally different people and our four kids as our bridal party. (laughs) I just think that is such a cool story. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that ending. And I know you mentioned that also in your TED talk. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, you know? Me either. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I think that it speaks so much to that concept that you just outlined so beautifully between resilience and transformation and that ultimately transformation is always a choice and how we proceed and decide how that's going to look is is certainly up to us. And I, I love that the things that happened in your life that could have seen, could have been looked at as insurmountable obstacles and, you know, could have knocked you down, ended up allowing you and inspiring you to to build this body of work and then came sort of full circle and allowed you to reestablish a, a healthier relationship with your husband. So it's all just so, so cool. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of you sharing this, but also doing the work that, that you're doing. Um, as you. we start to sort of wrap up, although I'm not, not totally done yet, but mm-hmm. I would love for you to talk about the concept. And you re- mentioned this briefly too, and it kind of struck me as a sentence or a phrase that I think we should dive into deeper too. And it was that even if it was done to you, it wasn't about you. Can you talk a little bit more about that? This is one of the hardest concepts 
to embrace once we've been betrayed because it is so intentional and we do take it so personally. But what I've seen, what I've grown to know personally and with everybody within our community, it's not about you. That person, that person had an, you know, had this gigantic hole within that w- that was only looking for some external vice to to make that unmet need go away. We use, I mean, this is what my first TEDx was about, how we use food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior. And I actually did that topic. That first TEDx I did six weeks after my betrayal. I mean, honestly, I look at that one, I don't even know how I did it. But, but what I've seen so often is, it's, it's like how when there's that unmet need, when there's that sort of voice you know, within saying what used to work doesn't work anymore, what used to make sense doesn't make sense anymore, what used to feel good doesn't feel good anymore, we do all we can to quiet that voice because we don't want to create a shakeup in our world. So that's exactly why we go towards things like food, drugs, alcohol, and, and all of that. But, but what's happening is that voice doesn't go away. It gets louder and louder. So the stakes get bigger and bigger. So it truly is that person is searching for something. And if you don't go within, you know, it's, it's never going to be healed. Like personally with, for me, when I was experiencing, I needed something and, and I started diving into spirituality and it, it gave me that sense of connection and all the things that I, you know, that, that I was looking for, you know, other people make different choices, but that's really what it's about. Not that it makes you feel any better, you know, I mean, here someone could have learned a profound lesson at your expense, you know, um, it doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it okay. There isn't one cell of me that thinks betrayal is acceptable at all. Um, but when you learn, it's really not about you, um, it, and you and you truly, truly understand that. It um, it, it allows for the next set of questions and healing. Mm. It really brings me right back to what you were saying about us not feeling comfortable or, or understanding how to feel and be. And you know, when you were talking about the the substance abuse and um, you know how we're led to we're basically led to more doing, so we mm-hmm. don't have to feel and be. And That's it's it. just a sort of a vicious cycle. And um, you know and and like Mary Angelou says, we, we do better when we know better. And if we don't know better, and that's all that's been modeled for us, and we don't have any, any models or mentors in our life that, that show us any other different way, then the cycle kind of continues. So I, I so appreciate you being such a strong voice and mentor in this field. And I'm you know, sure that your, your data and your research and your inspiration will, will touch so many. And I really do appreciate that. Before we wrap up and I have you kind of share how people can find you, what would you say has been sort of the most uh, shocking or unexpected data you found in your study so far? You know, what immediately comes to mind is, and, and here doing this research, you know, you're not supposed to assume anything. I was new at this, but, but okay, I was doing my best. But I did assume that the people who were the hardest hit would grow the least because they had the most to overcome. That made total and perfect sense to me. I was dead wrong. That had nothing in the world to do with it. It was the ones who dove in and said, that's it. I'm doing this work and I'm going to heal. They blew the doors off of someone who you would consider having a lesser betrayal or series of betrayals. 
Um, and, and I saw that consistently. And while someone would, let's say they would use alcohol or they immediately ran to the doctor who prescribed, you know, mood stabilizers or anti-anxiety medication, you know, sure, it may have made the day a bit better. They didn't grow nearly as much as the ones who just, you know, put their head down and said, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm healing this. Mm. That's what I love about science and studying and research is, mm -hmm. you know, we go in with a hypothesis that seems super logical, but that logic is based on our own experiences and our own, you know, opinions and perspective on life. And, and I love it when we're, you know, kind of shown otherwise, because it gives mm -hmm. us insights into really the human condition. I really so appreciate the work that you're doing, Debbie. And I would love for you to share with our listeners. Everything will be, of course, in the show notes, but how can they find you, your work, the Institute, all of the things? Uh, thank you so much. So just go to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com and take the, and you know what, go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Take that quiz. Uh, it, it, you know, you'll see what you just attributed to, oh, well, it's just age. It's just this. It's just that. No, it's not. It's an unhealed betrayal. So you'll see that. And then you'll also be, I believe on the last page, introduced to my new book. So if that serves, it's all about the five stages. Trust again, uh, my fourth step trust rebuilding process. It's all there. So fantastic. And I'll also link to your TEDx talks because they're so powerful. And I love that TEDx, it's such a consumable, it's a, it's a snippet, you know, it's mm -hmm. not a lengthy video, but there's so much packed into that. And, um, you know, that's partly why I keep the podcast to a consumable amount, because I think we can get in so much packed, inspirational, significant content and um, not necessarily have to make it a, a time consuming thing. So I loved, loved listening to your TEDx and I so appreciate your work. Thank you again, Debbie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to Dr. Silver for sharing this time with us, sharing her insights and her studies on betrayal. And I'm loving having these topics on this podcast, topics that maybe we wouldn't initially think tied into wellness, but they all tie in to mind, body, and spirit. I look forward to continuing to bring you topics that help you mind your wellness. See you here again next time. <music>